so the three sons, three sons like the three minim are tied together, they're in one parsha. We therefore have to warn the most vulnerable of them, the Shayne, not to be influenced by the Russia. As to the Chacham, he's a read apart. He's over there in the Vorm, standing on his own. He doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need them for for moral support, like they may possibly need each other. He doesn't have to be tied to them. He's by himself. He's apart. He's over there in Chumash Devarim, like the Esrug, that stands up by itself and is a breed apart. Before we leave the Ben Russia, we should briefly mention the Beis Halevi's Pshat. He has a long arichus in Parshas Bo on this, on this issue that we've been discussing. So we'll briefly make note of some of what he says here. The Pasuk here says, You should keep this choik for, for in its proper season every single year, year by year. What is the connection? He says like this, We've already pointed out when Rashi says that this is a tshuva to the Ben Rasha, leave lo lo. Says the Beisal Levi, but what exactly is the answer that we are giving to the Russia? True, it says, Hakeyashinov, leave the low low, and put him in his spot. But he asks the question, what actually is the correct answer to the Russia's question of Mu'avoda, Zos Lochem? How are we actually answering it? After all, we are saying here, Bavur Zelot Hashem, leave the There's much more said in the Pasik than merely the leave low low. What exactly is the response that we're giving to the Russia? How do we actually answer his question? Although it's true we have to discipline him and speak harshly to him, leave low low. But he says there must be in the Pasik some indication of an answer that directly relates to his question. So he says, let's first understand and analyze what is it that the Russia is trying to say. The Russia who's saying Lochem Vlolo is really the flip side of leave Lolo. What that really means is that we're saying you wouldn't be redeemed only us, not you. The Rosh himself, in his Rishus, is saying that the commandments are not for him. What does that mean? He's asking a question. If you want me to do it, give me a good reason to do it. He doesn't want to fulfill any of the mitzvahs until he understands a reason and a rationale and some sort of a good cause for why he should do the mitzvahs. That's his question. Eina writes the kaima mitzvah calls man sheina yadeya si boss of the time Hashem came. That's what makes him into a Russia. He's unwilling to do the mitzvahs until he understands. He wants the nishma before the nasim. He says, if you want me to do, I have to understand and accept. I will not do unless I understand. The chacham accepts from his father to do the mitzvah and he's willing to do the mitzvah. True, he's entitled to ask. He's entitled to inquire and to be curious and to question and to probe, but that's not going to detract from his deeds one iota. He'll still perform no matter what. For that reason, we find that the Ben Chacham does ask a question. He says the words, He's willing to question and inquire, and he'll be as inquisitive if not more inquisitive than the Russia. Because the Russia doesn't really care so much, as we pointed out, it was a rhetorical device, it was a statement. He doesn't really want to know. The Chacham truly wants to know. He's inquiring, he wants all the details, he's willing to learn, he'd like to know. He's more inquisitive than the Russian. But he notes 
Our God is commanding it. It's a command from Hashem. We got to do it regardless. He's willing to do before He understands. He realizes that reasons of mitzvahs have nothing to do with the obligatory nature of the mitzvahs. Even before you know the reasons, you still got to do it. The obligation is there regardless of the understanding of why the mitzvah was given. This then distinguishes the Chochem from the Rosh The Chochem wants to know he's inquisitive, but he's willing to accept upon himself all of the obligations with the assumption and presumption that it's all accurate and correct and it's the right thing to do. He now wants to know why he's doing it and he'd like to understand it. The Rosh on the other hand, as long as he doesn't understand the reason and the rationale and the reasons of the mitzvahs, he's unwilling to do it. He's unwilling to perform it. To him, lochem v'lo means that I'm not going to do it unless I understand it. That's what makes him to rush. Continues the base Alevi, though. We have a different level of a, of a Russia. He could be a Ben Godel. He could be learned and understanding, and he understands the whole story of the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim as well as the miracles. What happens, though, is He's following the pathway of the Maskilim and the Reformers, referring even to his generation, that say reasons for the mitzvahs. And their approach is that if they ever find a reason for the mitzvah and then they discover that the reason doesn't apply anymore, they discard the mitzvah. And therefore they say that mitzvahs are dependent on their reasons and for their times. And if they discover a tam she'enu shayef b'zmanim elu that's no longer contemporarily applicable, they will then say, They will say that the obligation of the mitzvah and the mitzvah itself, its, the, its obligatory nature, has become nullified nowadays. Like the reformers that nowadays tried to give reasons for the mitzvah, saying that it was only applicable in those days, not nowadays, and therefore we could discard the mitzvahs nowadays. They'll say it's dependent on the times, the climate, the place, the location, the society, the country, the geographical, the, the, the historical perspective. And therefore, since the mitzvahs are dependent on that and that no longer applies now, the mitzvahs don't apply now. Now let's understand the approach to Pesach. Pesach really should not be called a chok. Why? Because it's really an edus. It's an understandable reason why we do what we're doing. It has reasons for it. As the Midrashim teach us that Klal Yisrael was under, uh, in Egypt, and Egypt was a, an idolatrous society. So Klal Yisrael, to be redeemed, had to nullify and, and, and indicate a rejection of the Avodazar of the Mitzrayim. They worshipped the sheep. We had to show our rejection of sheep as an Avodazar by sacrificing it. Therefore, we were commanded to Shech the Korban Pesach to show our complete nullification and rejection of sheep as being an Avodazar. The Medrash in Pasha's Bo says that Hashem says to Moshe that they have to shech the Korban Pesach, so says Moshe, If we're going to sacrifice the God of the Egyptians, won't they stone us? Said Hashem, I will not redeem the Jews until they willingly, publicly demonstrate this rejection by shechting the God of the Egyptians in front of their eyes. So this makes sense. This is quite logical. It's quite reasonable. This is not a chok. It's not something that a person should say makes no sense. It's irrational. Even the Russia understands and accepts this, that it makes sense to have such a mitzvah. After all, if you want to show 
that you are not part of Egyptian society, you have to demonstrate some sort of a rejection. The matter says, At one time the Jews were almost indistinguishable from the Egyptians. You have to show distinction. This is a logical way of showing the distinction. It makes sense. Therefore, it's reasonable to assume that on the anniversary of this redemption that came about as a result of our rejection of the Avodazar, and this merited us that we become Klal Yisrael, we therefore bring a Korban Pesach to again show the nullification of the Avodazar of the Mitzrayim, in order that the world and Klal Yisrael should know that Hashem is God and all of these Avodazar things are nonsense. That much the Russia accepts. Comes the Russia, but what do we nowadays have to do it for? I agree that this mitzvah at one time was relevant. It was relevant in ancient days when, when these things made sense, when these demonstrations were necessary, when you had foolish people in the world that believed in Avodazar. Then it was very important to demonstrate our nullification of Avodazar, to do a carbon Pesach. We're showing that we are breed apart, that we're monotheistic, that we believe in an invisible God, and that all this is nonsense. This, this made sense then. But in contemporary, modern times, we all know that there's no Avodazar, everybody believes in God. We've successfully brought monotheism in the world, and there's no longer Avodazar. No one's going to worship sheep anymore. There's no longer a reason to do these kinds of work and service and worship to demonstrate something which is already ancient and dead and extinct. The religion of idolatry of sheep is extinct. What's the point in doing it nowadays? What do you gain from doing this? There's no point to it anymore. It's no longer rational and reasonable. God doesn't gain from this anymore. There's no greater glory of God by bringing sheep that at one time was Avodah and thereby showing we don't accept sheep as Avodah Who needs it? Who needs this whole Avodah? No Avodah Pesach. God's not going to gain anything from this. It doesn't do anything for him. Nowadays, you want to serve God? you got to serve God according to the present needs, according to the problems of the times and problems of the location that we're in. Says the Russia, I agree we have to worship God, but not this way. What do you got to do this kind of worship? What's it all about? It's no longer needed. It's no longer necessary. It's no longer helpful. Let's find new ways of worshiping God. More helpful, more applicable, more contemporary, more modern ways that deal with and address modern problems. Let's create new medrash. Let's create now they have feminist medrash. Let's create new issues to deal with that we have to be in the world according to what the world now needs for Tikkun, and not keep these ancient mitzvahs. When a person hears these words of blasphemy, then you don't have to address the Russia, you have to address yourself. This is something which God commanded us. This is a way of being mechazik our muna to ourselves. The Torah tells us, No, the words of Hashem are a chok to you, to your children forever. You have to keep it as a chok. And therefore, when you come to the land, you got to do what, what Hashem is commanding you over here. And even if you'll have, you'll have mocking children who will rebel against the word of Hashem saying it's no longer needed, 
You have to reinforce it. And you have to strengthen yourself. And you have to say these things. What then is the response to his question, though? After all, he asks the question, what is the point of doing mitzvahs nowadays? How does one actually understand the relationship between Taimeha mitzvahs and mitzvahs, especially mitzvahs of this nature, that they are edus, that they're there for a reason, they have an obvious reason to them, and now the reason doesn't seemingly apply. How do we understand and how do we relate to these mitzvahs? And for this, the Beis HaLevi says a very interesting pshat in the Pasuk. After all, the Pasuk says, Tell your children, On account of this, Hashem did for me when I came out of Egypt. What does that mean? What does it mean, Bavur Zeh? So we know the Haggadah teaches us that Bavur Zeh refers to the Matz and the Mora that are presently in front of you. And you say, on account of the Matz and Mora, Hashem took me out of Mitzrayim. Points out the Beis Alevi, a very interesting thing here. It is true that the Korban Pesach that Klai Yisrael did in Mitzrayim was a demonstration of Bittl Avodazar. But we're teaching now and we're responding to the Russia to his question. And we're giving him an answer. We're actually giving him an answer. We're saying to him, you have a mistake in your approach to mitzvahs. Even these mitzvahs, these testimonial mitzvahs, that we understand the reason, such as matzah, because they, they left in great haste, the more because of the embittering of the lives of the Jewish people, the Korban Pesach, because of Hashem passing over the houses of our forefathers. mitzvah. <laughs> It wasn't that the reason is what produced the mitzvah. The mitzvah was not a consequence of its reason. Because we have a good reason to do the mitzvah, therefore Hashem commanded us to do a mitzvah. Iker Yisai, the Shal Mitzvah, is Lomakachi HaMitzvah, and Enu Bishvil Zem HaShohoyah B'Mitzrayim. The reason of the mitzvah had nothing to do with our exodus from Egypt. Torah preceded the world. Torah came before the world. Torah was written before the world. Before there was a world, before there was a Mitzrayim, there was a Torah. Torah was the blueprint from which the world was produced. In that Torah that pre-existed and predated Mitzrayim and the world, there was already a mitzvah of matzah there. Chazal tells us that Avram Avinu and the Ovas kept the Torah before it was given. On Leel Tesvav Nisan, Avram Avinu ate matzah and more. That was before Golis Mitzrayim, that was before the exile, before the subjugation in Egypt. Therefore, what do we see? Mitzvahs do not sprout and come as a consequence of the Gulas Mitzrayim. The reverse is true. The merit of the mitzvah of Matzah and Mor and Pesach that we're doing in this night is why we were redeemed. We were redeemed from Egypt in the merit of the mitzvahs that we're performing. That's what we're telling the Russian. You, Russia, have a misguided view of the relationship between mitzvahs and the rationales and the reason. You think that the mitzvahs come as a consequence, come as the fruit of the reasons. If the reverse is true. The mitzvahs are independently true. The mitzvahs are independently in existence. Therefore, the Pasuk is very accurate. Bavur zeh, because of these mitzvahs, also Hashem leave the Tzai I came out of Egypt. We don't say the reverse. We don't say, which is the way the Russia thinks. I came out of Egypt, therefore I do the mitzvah. That's the way the Russia thinks. Because I came out of Egypt, therefore I do a mitzvah. Therefore, if the reason doesn't apply, the mitzvah doesn't apply. I'll only do mitzvahs if there's a reason for the mitzvahs. The reverse is true. Because of the mitzvahs, I came out of Egypt. Because there was a mitzvah, 
there was a geula. The geula sprouts from the mitzvah, not the reverse. This is an important principle in all time. You don't do the mitzvah because of the tam. Because of the mitzvah, there is a tam. But the mitzvah stands independent of the tam. Bizchus Pesach Matzah Mora that we're doing in this night, we merited redemption. Therefore, all of the rationales and arguments of the Russia fall apart like dust. Because it's not dependent on the reason. If anything, it's the reverse. He can't say the Hibotil Hatam, Botil Mitzvah, that when the reason is no longer around, the mitzvah is no longer around. The mitzvah ba'atzmot, the etzim yisoido, is a choik. It's engraved and etched into creation, whether the reason exists or not, and the reason follows from that, the mitzvah remains forever. That's what the Pasuk says. That's the next Pasuk. Therefore, keep this choik, in its proper season, year after year, in its right time, keep it as a chok, because it's not dependent on the reason, rather the reverse. Even though these are mitzvah sikhliyos, and there is an understandable reason to the mitzvah, but the reason comes from the mitzvah. The mitzvah doesn't come from the reason. The mitzvah by itself is a chok, it's kayim lo'oylam bo'ed miyomim yemima b'loy hefsik, even if a time will occur when there's a reason, or whether a time will occur when there is no reason, it doesn't make any difference. That's the truth that we're giving to the Russia. We're telling the Russia, if we wouldn't have done these mitzvahs, there wouldn't have been Yitzhak Mitzrayim. After all, when were these mitzvahs performed? The Korban Pesach was done before Yitzhak Mitzrayim. The night of Pesach, they ate matzah. Torah tells us the reason for the matzah is loyihispik b'tzeikam that didn't have a chance to rise. That was the next day, but the night before they also ate matzah. The Torah says that the next day, and then it's they went up very quickly, they went up in great haste and it turned into matzah. That's what we say in Rabbi Gamliel. Matzah zu al shema. Why do we eat matzah? Al shlohispik b'tzeikov because they didn't have a chance to rise. When was that? The next day. So why were they eating matzah the night before? Why did they eat matzah the night before? Teretz says matzah stands independent of the reason. The reason why they went out the next day in such great haste is because they fulfilled the mitzvah of matzah the night before. In the merit of fulfilling the mitzvah of matzah, the next day. They went out in great haste. Pesach, Ashum Shaposach bought Ibn Israel because Hashem passed over the house of the Jews. That's how we eat a Korban Pesach. We made a Korban Pesach before Hashem passed over the houses of the Jews. Terence says, Why did he pass over the houses of the Jews? He passed over the houses of the Jews because the Jews did the mitzvah of Korban Pesach. From the mitzvah comes the Yeshua, from the mitzvah comes the Geula, not the reverse. Not because of the Geula and the Yeshua there's a mitzvah, but because of the mitzvah there's a Geula and the Yeshua. Because of the Korban Pesach, Hashem passes over our house. Because of the mitzvah of Achilas Matzah, Hashem drives us out of Egypt so quickly that it doesn't have a chance to rise, not the reverse. That's what we're telling the Russian. You're having a mistake in terms of the whole direction you have reversed. 
It's not because Bavur Shetes Mi Mitzrayim, we have the mitzvahs, but just the opposite. Bavur Zeh, Osa Hashem Li Betes Mi Mitzrayim. Says Rashi. Bavur Shakayim Mitzvahisav. You're going Pesach, Matzah, Umor, Halalu. In order that I should fulfill the mitzvahs of such as Pesach, Matzah, and more that we have in front of me. Therefore, Hashem leave the Tzitzim Mitzrayim. That's why Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Therefore, it comes out that, that we're answering the Russian very well. And the leave also fits in very well now. Because what are we telling the Russian? Leave if you would have been there, you would have been redeemed. It's more than just a way of, of rubbing his face into it, of adding insult to injury and making him gnash his teeth. It's much more than that. We're actually telling him a truth. We're telling him, with your attitude, we never would have left Egypt. If you would have been there, we wouldn't leave Egypt. Because you're saying, yeah, you're willing to accept the mitzvahs, but show me first. Give me rationale first. Give me reason to do it first. If you give me a reason, I'll do the mitzvah. With that attitude, you wouldn't get out of Mitzrayim. Because you never would have ate a korban Pesach in Mitzrayim before there was a reason. You never would have ate matzah before there was a reason. If he would have been there, he wouldn't be redeemed because he wouldn't have done the midst of the right approach, with the right attitude. That's what Hashem did for me. That's why I came out of Mitzrayim, because I had the right attitude. Therefore, sprouts a gula, on account, because in the merit of these things that I'm doing, the midst of Pesach Matzah that I'm willing to do before the redemption. Therefore, I was Zoich, therefore, I was Zoich to a Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. That's the truth to the Russia. That's a direct truth to his question. His question was, Why do mitzvahs when there is no reason? The answer is the reasons come after the mitzvahs. The mitzvahs are independent of the reason. The Yeshua comes because of the mitzvah. That's why I'm going to do it. It's takalochem. Moavodazos lochem. It's for us. It's for our benefit. We do the mitzvah, all, everything comes later on. The mitzvah is the mainstay. That's the staple. That's the anchor. The reasons come beyond that, after that. The redemption sprouts and springs from from the mitzvah, from the mitzvah performance. Torah comes before the world. We don't eat matzah and moror and korban pesach because of Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. Rather, the reverse is true. Because of the mitzvah of matzah and korban pesach, therefore there was a Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. So the Beis HaLevi gives us a beautiful insight into explaining what the Pesach is. And therefore the next one tell, the next Pesach tells you that all of this is a chok. Therefore, you always have to keep it. It's a beautiful explanation in terms of the pshat of how we're actually answering the Chacham's question. And we're answering it to the point. And that's why it's in the Pasuk of the Yigar So we now have a number of layers of meaning in this Pasuk. And we've answered up a lot of the questions already about the Ben Rosh. We still have to come to understanding the Ben Chochem. Well, with the Chochem, we had a number of questions. The Eschem, we're not going to deal with so much over here, with that question that everybody asks about the difference between Eschem and Lochem. We've dealt with it a little bit briefly already. Chochem's question, we won't deal with so much. His question was, The problem we have is several. Question number one was, why don't you give the response that the Torah gives? With the 
entire with the entire arichas. The Balagot doesn't tell us that. That seems to be a very good answer. Why don't we tell them the answer of the Torah itself? What does it mean va'af morlo and also was the va'af and also? What does it mean kehilchos pesach like the hilchos pesach? And why does it mention ein maftir nachar pesach Why mention that particular halacha at all? What kind of response is this to the to the chacham? Well, on the simple level, in terms of poshut pshat, we could answer it very simply. The chacham's response of avodah moyin lufar b'mitzrayim was said right away, right after the manishtana. Before the Balakodna started digressing, he right away answered the Manashtana. After all, the Manashtana is what the whole question and answer format is all about. Manashtana is the questions, and you've got to give an answer. So right after the Manashtana, we give an answer. Where is that answer taken from? It's taken from the Vorm Vaschanan in the Tshuva of the Ben Chochem. Avodim Ho'inu Lufar That's, we already said it. We didn't say the entire Parsha. Because then we started getting off on a tangent, and we have to say, right? We all know that. So the, the Haggadah goes off on a tangent. So therefore, the brief outline of the Chuvas Chochem is already mentioned in the Haggadah earlier. We didn't say the rest of it yet. We didn't say the rest of the Pesukim. But here, in effect, the, the Haggadah digresses and starts saying about four different children, four different questions, and says that you have to respond to each one appropriately for his question. The Chochem's question was a very detailed one. He wanted to know Eidos, Chukim, Umishpatim. Well, the truth is the Torah's response is one of Eidos. And that's really an answer to the different aspects of the Eidus. But the Chochum wants to know all the Dinim. Therefore it says, Therefore you should also tell him, You have to not only tell him the response of the Torah, of Torah Shebek but you have to tell him the laws of Korm Pesach, and all the laws of Pesach, Matz and Mor, and all of the Halachas. You have to teach him everything. Torah Shebek Sav, Torah Shebal Peh, you have to teach him Hagodah, Agadotah, you have to teach him the stories, the sipur. You also have to teach him the halachas. You've got to also teach him the Pesach. To what point? Which is the last Mishnah in Mesechnes Pesachim. The last Mishnah in Mesechnes Pesachim, in Arabi Pesachim, deals with the laws of Afikomen. That's the end of the Seder. Well, you've got to teach him everything till that point. You have to teach him all the way, including the last point of Afikomen. That means it includes everything. It goes from Avod and Moin, that's just the beginning. But you have to keep teaching him and teaching him until you've taught him everything to the point of Ein Maftir Nachar Pesach Afikom. That's Pashat Pshat in, in what HaGod is trying to tell us over here. However, different unfortunately go off and they, and they elaborate on this and they teach us much uh, more profound lessons to be learned from this. And let's take a look at one of them. Again, we have the four questions over here on the Tshuva of the Chochem, which is why are we saying something that the Torah doesn't tell us? The Torah says, Avodim Ho'inu. Secondly, what does it mean, Afato Amorlo? Thirdly, why make mention of the Afikom? Why is this chosen? And fourthly, what does it mean, Kehil Pesach? So we've answered partially, and the Malbim said the same thing, that Afato Amorlo means that you 
besides what the Torah teaches us, Avodim Ho'inu, you have to continue telling him all the way to the laws of Afrikomen, and this is part of what you have to teach him. But then I saw the following addition to this. V'nir levaris ha'inyin. So what's this about Afrikomen? It's true that the main answer given to the Chochem is and the entire parsha over there. What that means is that the Chochem is asking about all of the mitzvahs that we have, and we're answering to the Chochem, you know why we have all these mitzvahs? As the Torah tells us over there, we tell the, the Ben Chochem, we have a debt of gratitude of Hachkor Satayv Tashem, who are slaves to Paro, we were taken out with a powerful hand and we are now Hashem's servants. Hashem punished the Egyptians and He saved us in front of our eyes. He gave us this land. Therefore Hashem commanded us all of these things. And, and we owe it to Him. So the first thing that we're teaching our child is that Hashem Yisborach took us out. We owe Him a debt of gratitude. And therefore, we are his servants now. Therefore, we have to listen to all of the mitzvahs of the Torah. We have to listen to all that he tells us. That's what the Apostle tells us over here. Because, after all, we owe him this debt of gratitude. Significantly enough, in the response to the Chacham, the Father says, he ignores, he seemingly ignores the Eidos and the Mishpatim that the Chochem was inquiring about. He wanted to know about the Eidos, the Chukim and the Mishpatim. The father responds by saying, Hashem took us out and Hashem commanded us. He makes mention of Chukim. He does not make mention of the Eidos and the Mishpatim. In other words, what the father is telling him is the lesson that we just said from the Beis HaLevi to the Russia. That we are servants of Hashem. And we are Mekayim, the Edus and the Mishpatim, like a Chok. To us, everything is Chok. There's an element of Chok in everything. And we fulfill everything as if it's a Chok. We don't do it only as a, only as an Edus or as a Mishpat, by which if the Edus and the Mishpat's rationales no longer apply, we won't do them. We do them regardless, because it's all a Chok. It's a Chok before it's a Mishpat even. These are all chukim, and we have to do it all. This is how the Beis Halevi says we respond to the to the Russia by telling him all of these things that mitzvahs, even with the reasons, even the mishpatim, even the edus, they all come from the from the underlying base of chuk that's in every mitzvah. Because kasher tivon, Hashem commanded us, we do it. The problem with this approach, there's a slight problem with this approach, because one would then think that we're obligated, we do it as a debt, and we have the attitude of a person fulfilling a debt. That we are Avde Hashem, we're servants to Hashem, we're Chayib, we're obligated to do His will, but then it comes out that there's a lack of love and desire and goodwill that goes to it. There's no joy in it. It's just fulfilling a debt and an obligation. It's a chiv, it's an obligation. It's a debt. We're not doing it with love and joy, but kfir, we're forced into it. The truth is, this is already implicit, this problem, and the, and the answer to this problem is already implicit in the Pasuk. 
It says by Tzavegnu Hashem, Hashem to fear Him. Yes, we owe Him a debt and we do it with fear. But then the Pasuk continues, It's good for us. It keeps us alive to this very day. It works. It's successful. It keeps the Jews alive and successful. And will be kind of accounted as a righteousness on our part if we do these things. As commanded. Yes, we're commanded. Yes, it's a debt. Yes, we owe it. Yes, we have to do here a Shemaim. And it's a chiyuv and obligation. It's obligatory. It's to fear Hashem. But it doesn't mean there's no joy and there's no love in this. It's still the Toivlonu. We can still appreciate it. It could be Lochem. It's Lachayoseinu. Therefore, says the Haggadah, in order that we shouldn't leave it on this note of fear, of being forced, of just a debt that has to be fulfilled, the Baal says, Teach more. Say more to the Ben Chochum. Say to him the following, that besides what it says in the Torah, and tell him even though we're not doing it only as an act of servitude, on the True, we are his servants, but we accept the yoke of heaven with love. We're not doing it because we're forced, we're doing it because we love and it's a joy to us. It's Lutoiv Lonu, it's Lchayoisenu. Where do we see this? We see this from the halacha of Ein Maftir and Achar Pesach Afikomen. This halacha that you're not allowed to eat after the Korban Pesach in order that the taste of the Korban Pesach shouldn't leave your mouth. The Gemara says, why don't you eat after the Korban Pesach? So that you should retain for the rest of the night the flavor and the taste, the juiciness of the Korban Pesach in your mouth. What does this mean? It's not a mitzvah in the Torah. It's, it's a Drabonon, but it's sort of a minig, it's even the least of the Drabonons. We love the mitzvah of Hashem to the point where we want the flavor, the tam of the mitzvah to remain in our mouths. We're not just doing the mitzvahs to get rid of our obligation, to unload a burden of the mitzvah. No, we're doing it with love and joy to the point where we want to retain the flavor of the mitzvah even after it's gone. We want the flavor to remain in our mouth even when we're not doing the mitzvah anymore. The mitzvah is already gone. We want to retain a semblance of that flavor to carry with us. That's how much we love the mitzvahs. Our approach to Korban Pesach now becomes a model, a paradigm for our approach to all mitzvahs. That we love all mitzvahs the same way. This is our approach to all the mitzvahs. Even the ones that are called chukim. That's why we make mention of the chukim over here. That's true. But it's We love it as well. This is our approach to all mitzvahs. Even the chukim. Even though we don't understand the reason. Even though we don't have a flavor, we don't have a time of the mitzvah, we try it nonetheless. The whole purpose, the purpose of all time and mitzvahs is to give a yid a gishmak, to make the mitzvah sweet in our mouth, 
That's why we have time ayam mitzvahs. It's to motivate us to appreciate, to have a flavor, not in terms of obligation, we're obligated anyway, but to give us a geshmak in the mitzvah, in order that we should be mekayim the mitzvah with simcha, with rotzon, with ava, with love, with joy, and with goodwill. One may think that chukim, because they lack time ayam mitzvahs that we could understand to motivate us, one would think that they're going to lack this geshmak, it's going to lack the motivation. The person's not going to fulfill a mitzvah that's a chok with the same gishmak, with the same attitude as a mitzvah that he could really appreciate. Not true. Because if a person learns, if you're a chokhom and you do mitzvahs, the etzem ha-dover shanu oisim esrots nashem yizborach, doing the will of God, unikayim eschukov, doing his chok, doing all his mitzvahs, he hanoi senes lomotam. That's what the greatest gishmak is doing the will of Hashem is the greatest time of all the sweetness of doing the mitzvah is the joy of the mitzvah therefore Korban Pesach although seemingly it falls into the category of Edus the Torah doesn't call it that the Torah in Parshish Bo says this is the choik of the Pesach that means even the mitzvah of Korban Pesach is incorporated in the laws of Chukim. Zois Chukas Pesach. And as we said earlier, the Korban Pesach is also called the Chayk. True, the Torah reveals a reason for it. The Torah says, When he when he smote the Egyptians and he saved us, the Torah gives a reason for the mitzvah of Korban Pesach. Right? That's what we're saying. We're saying that this is what it's all about. It doesn't mean that that's what the reason is. As the Beis Halevi already taught us, it's not that we do the mitzvah because of the reason it's the other way around. There's a lot of things that go into Korban Pesach that certainly fall into the category of Chok. That's why it says, The details, the details of the laws of Korban Pesach certainly fall, many of them at least, within the realm of Chukim. Therefore it says, Even Korban Pesach is a choik. Therefore we learn from the din of Afikoimen by Korban Pesach that all mitzvahs Hashem, even the Chukim, are precious and beloved by us. And we don't just do them to unload a burden. that We just want to fulfill an obligation that we're burdened with. We desire more and more and more. That even when we finish it, we want to retain its flavor. We want to retain its time, its flavor, its beauty, its gishmak. We want to carry it with us even after we fulfill it. That's why we do mitzvahs. Therefore, the Baal HaGod says, In other words, he asks the question, the Ben Chochem, comes the father and he starts off, we were slaves, we were freed, 
Hashem freed us. We owe Him. We owe Him a debt of gratitude. We are now His Avodah. We are His servants. Therefore we're commanded, we got to do all the chukim. We have to fear Hashem. We're obligated. We have chiyuvim. We have obligations. We have a debt to Hashem. We owe Him a debt of gratitude. That's all true. That's what we're telling the Ben Chacham. But that's not enough. Then you got to tell them more. You got to teach him all the laws and all the details and go through it all. All the way till the end. But then you tell him a lesson at the end. Tell him. Yes, we got all of these burdens and mitzvah seemingly. We're doing it with good will, with good grace, with favor, with love, with joy. All the Hilchas Pesach. And Kehilchas Pesach, we do everything else as well. The same way, we do everything else. The same way we don't eat after the Afikoimen, in order that the Tam, the Nesikus, the sweet flavor should remain in our mouths. That's our approach to all the mitzvahs in the Torah. That's what we tell the Ben Chochem. It's not dissimilar from the Ben Rosha. Other than to the Ben Rosha, you have to talk tough. And you have to tell him the consequences of his evil ways, where it's going to lead him. To so the Ben Chochem who's inquisitive. And we tell him all the laws, and we tell him, yes, it's an obligation, and he understands that. And we tell him what we told the Ben Rosha, that mitzvahs stand independent of their reasons. But that doesn't take away from our motivation. It doesn't take away from our gishmak. It doesn't take away from our appreciation. It doesn't take away from our enjoyment. It doesn't take away from the sweetness and the flavor. We want to retain the flavor to the very least of the mitzvahs, to the mitzvahs of Afikomen. We want to carry it with us. That's what we tell the Ben Chochem. In fact, it almost becomes a counterpart of one to the other. The Rosh is willing to do mitzvahs if they're sweet. He doesn't want to do it as a sense of debt and obligation. The Chochem is burdening himself with the debt and the obligation. We've got to tell him about the sweetness. Maybe that's why we've got to give a bracha to the four sons. Because you need a little bit of Russia, Not real Rosh in terms of wickedness, but in terms of the motivation of appreciation of beauty. The Chochem could get carried away and not have this Gishmak. The Rosh has to be taught that you have to start off the year of Hashem, to fear Hashem. But the Chochem has to be taught beyond that. And that's what the Pasuk continues to tell us. Because the Pasuk goes beyond that. Yes, it's Chok. Everything is Chok. And we're commanded, the year of Hashem. But it's Lutov, Lord. It's good for us. It's life. It'll be righteousness if we do these mitzvahs of Hashem. The Chochem maybe needs a little bit of what the Russia takes for granted. The Russia needs what the Chochem takes for granted. Therefore, we start off with the Chochem, we go to the Russia. The two become opposite sides of the same coin. We have to inform the Chochem, enjoy, appreciate, live it. Do mitzvah with gusto, with gishmak, with life. Not as a burden, as a debt. We have to tell the Russia, it is a burden. It is a debt. You have to accept the obligation. You can't say, show me first, because then you'll never be redeemed. Redemption comes if you do the mitzvahs. Then you'll enjoy it. You'll learn to enjoy it. 
What do we say in the very beginning? What do we tell the Russian? Our first shot in what we told the Russian, we said to the Russian, your way is not the way of freedom, your way is the way of death and destruction and doom. Our way is the way of freedom and gishmak and enjoyment and satisfaction and pleasure. You want pleasure? Our way is the way of pleasure. Your way is the way of misery. That's what we tell the Russian. But we have to tell the Chochem. We have to tell the Chochem that after the Nasa there's a Nishma, there's a Gishmak. Yes, Nasa comes first. And we tell that to the Russian, Nasa comes first. But we tell the Chochem, there's a Nishma, there's a Gishmak that goes with it. Both need each other. And therefore we say, Baruch HaMokum, Baruch Hu, Baruch Shasatur Baruch Hu. We say four brachas, even for the Russian. Because if we could combine the Russia's Yetzer Horror with the Chochem's acceptance of Kabbalah's Oma Chushemayim and Yeres Shemayim, then you have a person who can do it all. He's a person now that the whole world opens to him. Because he has the commitment and the responsibility to do mitzvahs, but he has the Gishmak and the motivation to do it with gusto. That's why it says in the very beginning of creation, Toiv Ma'oid, says the Medrash, refers to the Yetzer Horror. Because without the Yetzer Horror, no one is motivated. You need the Yetzer Horror to motivate you, and that's what takes good into very good. It makes the Toiv into Toiv Ma'oid. It takes Toiv, which comes from responsibility, but it turns that Toiv into Toiv Ma'oid, because it gives you Simcha, and it gives you Gishmak and enjoyment and pleasure. It takes responsibility, and it adds motivation to it. It takes Yira, and it adds Ava. It takes responsibility and it adds simcha. Chochem has responsibility. If you add to him the Rosh's drive, you'll have simcha and joy and motivation and gishmak and pleasure. But it's a true pleasure, a simcha shal mitzvah. Now we're saying a very big chidush. After we see the Beis HaLevi in this chapter, we see that the two tshuvas to the two different children complement one another. The tshuvas ben Rosha, the tshuvas ben Chochem complement each other. And they become one understanding of how to do mitzvahs. With simcha, with ava, with joy, with love, with commitment, with motivation, yet, yet with responsibility and yira and kabbalah's all malchus There's another pshat that I saw in this Ein Maftin Achar Pesach and why this is given the response to the Chochem. And that goes in the following way. We know that the mitzvah of Afikomen is that the flavor, the time of the Korban Pesach should remain in your mouth. Says the Baal and this is the answer to the Chochem's question of Moedus HaChukim HaMishpotim. How are we supposed to approach all mitzvahs? The way we're supposed to approach all mitzvahs is that the purpose of man in performing mitzvahs is that it should become etched and engraved in his soul deep down to the point of where it remains with him even after he's finished it. A mitzvah is not something that you do and when it's over you revert back to what you were. It's not like you're a gangster and you go to church and you reach uh, absolution and then you come out and you're still the Zelda gangster. A mitzvah is supposed to change you. A mitzvah is supposed to become part of you and develop you and you're supposed to retain the flavor of the mitzvah even after its performance. It says, Baruch wanted to be mezachich, to purify, to refine a mitzvah is supposed to refine us, it's supposed to develop our character, our morally, our spiritually, our neshamas, our nefesh, our guf. It's supposed to be good for us. 
we have to take with us what the mitzvah produces and carry it with us. It's supposed to become part of our lives. It's supposed to become entrenched and engraved in our souls. The Navi Yirmiya says in Perkyut Zion, Haruso Aluach Libam. It has to become engraved on, on the tablets of our hearts. Just like the Luchos. The Luchos is also Chorus Al Haluchos. Kosvem Aluach Libecha. It has to become engraved. Chokuk Bishnei Luchos Avonim. Chakiko. Achoik means that it's engraved. It's entrenched. It becomes part of us. That's what mitzvahs have to be. They have to become Chokuk and Chorus Aluach Libam. And therefore we have to carry with us the Afrikaimim. Afikaimin is a lesson in how to approach all mitzvahs. That all mitzvahs are for the purpose of changing us, to refine us, that we should carry with, with us the effects of the mitzvah beyond the asiyas ha-mitzvah. Even after we finish the mitzvah, we have to carry its effects, its tam, we have to carry it with us. We could therefore now say, Tup Shotim, in this Ein Maftin Achar Pesach Afikaimin. One in the sense that it shows us our love and the gishmak that we are supposed to feel in the mitzvah, the same way that we so that we show our yearning for the mitzvah's matzah by trying to retain an, a semblance of its flavor in our mouth to carry beyond us the taimeha mitzvahs, the nasa, the nishma, the gishmak that goes with the mitzvahs. But it also tells us that mitzvahs are to have lasting effects, that we're supposed to carry with us the mitzvahs beyond, and each time we do a mitzvah, it's supposed to elevate us a little bit it's supposed to change us in some measure. We retain the flavor of the Afikoyman and we carry it with us as long as possible in our lives and the effects of the mitzvah are long-lasting, far-reaching beyond the actual performance of the mitzvah. Both of these then become important lessons that we tell the Ben Chochem. The Ben Chochem is asking us, what are these mitzvahs are all about? The edus, the chukim, the mishpat, and what's it all about? We tell them it's about our obligation to Hakadosh Baruch Hu Avod the Moyin Lufar B'Mitzrayim, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu took us out, and we have an obligation of choyv to pay to Hashem, the Yira as Hashem. But it's not supposed to end with Yira; it's supposed to continue to Ava. It's Ava Hashem as well. It's L'Toyv Lanu L'Chayoseinu. This is all part of doing a mitzvah. And we also tell Moedus you know what it is? It's to change us. It's to refine us. It's to be Mizachaychas, to refine us and to make us pure and holy. And the mitzvahs carry beyond their actual performance. You carry it with you for life. It changes your life, it enhances your life. That's what we tell the Ben Chochem is the purpose, Moedus Vachukim the purpose of mitzvahs is to change us. Before we say another Pshat, in Ein Maftir Nachar Pesach Afikoyman, and related to Parshas Vayikra as well, there's a very interesting malbum on this on this Indian of the Arba Bonim in the Chumash. He comments on the Mechilta in Parshas Boy, on the Pasuk Vohoyoki Yisholcha Vincha Mochor Lemor, that of course is referring to the Ben, that's the Tam. So the Mechilta on this says the following, What does it mean Mochor, tomorrow? Says the Mechilti Yesh Mochor Achshav Yesh Mochor Lachar Zman. There's a Mochor that's immediate, in other words, tomorrow Mamish. And there's a Mochor that talks about the future. Mochor means on the morrow. It could either mean tomorrow literally, or it could mean in some future era. So he says, 
Mazois Hari Mochalachasman. Here we're talking about a Mochalachasman. Mochor Yeois Hazer, Hari Mochor Achshom. When it says tomorrow there will be the sign, Mochor Yeois Hazer, that's of course referring to tomorrow Mamish. That's it's talking by the Makos. Mochor Yomu Benechem Lubonenu. That's a Pesach in Yeshua, Hari Mochalachasman. That's referring to a future era. Then the Mechilta goes into the Arbabonim, and there's a number of variances between the way the Mechilta has it and the way our Haggadah has it. Comes the Malbun, and he goes off on a slight tangent on this topic. He says, He says, These words in the Haggadah I use, says the Malbun, when the reform movement began to change many of the, of the halachas of Klau Yisrael. And one of the things that they wanted to do was to be Koveya Shabbos on Sunday. They wanted to move Shabbos to Sunday. They then removed themselves of Nibdalum Yadas Yisrael, the Choldover. And he points out some of the rabbis wanted to be Mevatl, some of the Chumras in Isra Chomet, such as the Din of Bittl Meshishim. They wanted to be Mater, Vavkila Hatur, Lechel Kitni, Yisra They wanted to knock down some of them in Hogim. So the extremist reformers wanted to change Shabbos to Sunday. But then you had, instead of the radical reformers, you had some of the more moderate ones. They just wanted to get rid of some of the chumras, like the custom that Ashkenazim have not to eat beans. It's a relatively minor custom. So he says, all of this occurred before Shabbos HaGodl. And therefore, says the Malbim, I gave the following Shabbos HaGodl drosha. He says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu already foresaw we're going to have this problem. And therefore he decided to place in the Torah the responses to these wicked people. And, and also how to speak to their followers, to, their, to the other flock of Klal Yisrael. And therefore it's incorporated in the Arba Bonin. Because the Torah here refers to the Mochor, that's L'Achazman, to the future Maro where we're going to have you're going to have four kinds of children arising in the future generation and we're going to have in the era of the reform movement four types of questions and four types of children you will have the Ben Chochem that's the Rabbonim HaMachzikim those that follow with great loyalty that's the Ben Chochem then you have the Hamoin Hashoyim Lukoilam, those that follow, they're not so wise, but they are followers of the Rabbanon, they are represented by the Tam. Then you have the reformers that ask questions, and they are seemingly inquisitive, and they ask all kinds of questions, but they're Shailah Shaldoifi, that's the Ben Rosha. Then says the Malbim with an interesting spin, you have the Hamoin, the masses, that follow the reform movement, but they're not so smart. And they don't ask these inquisitive questions. They're the Ainu, they are Lishals. They'd like to ask the Shailush Shaldoifi, they'd like to ask these Apikursisha questions, but they're not smart enough to do it, so they just follow the reformers, they follow the Russia. They're Amaratsan. They don't know how to ask. They're ignoramuses, ignoramai. They're ignorant. They don't know how to ask. So they but they follow blindly the Ben Russia, the reform movement. They are represented by the Ainu or the Alishal. The Tam, they're the ones that follow the Chacham. They're the followers of the Ben Rosha. Now he describes the four sons. The Chochem asks, 
the Chacham understands that all the mitzvahs come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, all the mitzvahs of the Torah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded us, and these mitzvahs last forever, never to be changed, never allowed to be changed. They're eternal mitzvahs. However, the mitzvahs of the Torah are divided into three categories. There are mitzvahs that are edus, such as on Chidush like Shabbos, or on Hashgachas Hashem, such as the Yitzhah Mitzrayim, the mitzvahs related to Yitzhah Mitzrayim and the other principles of faith that we believe in. Then there are mitzvahs that are mishpatim, to be misakein, the hanhogah ben odlum l'chavero. Then you have mitzvahs that are in the category of chukim that don't have unknown reason. And yes, you could inquire regarding the edos, the chukim, and the mishpatim as to all of the, the categories and which one fits into what, but nevertheless the chokim continues. The Chochem understands that with all of the inquiries that a person has, with all the questions and the kashas and the probing and all kinds of questions and, and queries that you could have, it still boils down to Asher Tzivu Hashem Elokeinu, we're commanded by Hashem and it's eternal, the mitzvahs. She'ech she'iyeh, however it is, Tzivu Hashem, they're all Tzivu Hashem. And therefore, what's the response to the Chochem? In other words, he says now an interesting pshat in this. What we respond to the Chochem is the following. We tell the Chochem there are many, many levels of mitzvahs. You have, for example, the mitzvah of Pesach. You have mitzvahs that your chayv kor is very severe, such as if you don't partake of the korban Pesach, if you eat chometz. These are all zachem that your chayv kor is. You have a lower level mitzvahs that your chayv malkasan, such as etzim loisishbru and all of these other details. Then you have lower level mitzvahs in terms of severity, namely positive commandments, mitzvahs say, such as yachilos matzumor. Then you have a lower level than that, which is mitzvahs drabonon. And then you have even a lower level, namely mitzvahs that are not even tikune chazal and gezeres, but rather minhogim that were nikva and became part of Klal Yisrael either from the days of chazal or subsequently. Mitzvah she mitzana minig, such as, for example, achilas kitnias which the reformers, the moderate reformers, want to be mevatal, such as we don't eat beans. This is a, this is much lower level than a mitzvah rabbonim. Ha-mitzvah ha-kalom ikulam. The least of the mitzvahs is masha'ein maftir nachar pesach ha-fikoyim in shurak mitzvah. The custom of not eating after the ha-fikoyim doesn't even fall into a category of achilas kitnias. Because we're not dealing anymore with something which may come to lead to a person to a chomet, and therefore it's a gzeir, it's a low plug, it's a negative command, it's a low sase, it's a little bit stricter. We're dealing with just a custom that we have, let's not eat after the afikoyman in order to show our chavivus, our, our endearment of the afikoyman to us. That's the least of the mitzvahs. However, the chacham keeps them all. He understands the various levels, but he is willing to keep them all. To him, this custom, this ain is like the is like the most strict of all the laws of the Pesach. What do you mean that the mitzvah is as valuable to him and he keeps it as scrupulously as a mitzvah such as the laws of the Korban Pesach itself that are the rice that are high of course. We're now out to break down any of the Gedorim. 
Hapoyer is getting Yishchenu Nochosh. A person is not allowed to break any of the fences, even the Minhogi Abbasenu. That's what the Chochem says. The Chochem understands that all the mitzvahs are valuable, we keep them all, and therefore you respond to the Chochem by telling him from the most strictest and most important, seemingly, and severest, to the lightest, to Ein Maftir Nachar Pesach This really is implicit in the tshuva that the Torah tells us. Because the, the Torah tells us that the tshuva is Avodim Ho'inu, and then it goes on, Vaitzaveinu Hashem Lasas is called Achukim Le'ela, and it ends off, as we said earlier, with tzedakah tiyalonu. It's considered righteousness on our part. Ki nishmot lasas kol mitzvah In other words, be'ein hevdu be'ein mitzvah mitzvah. We're supposed to keep them all from the strictest to the to the least of them. We keep them all, and therefore all the minhogi chazal and the minhogim that came subsequent, such as achilas kitnius, we keep. That's the ben chacham. The rosh, on the other hand, says mo'avoyda zayis lochem. The, the Rosh, rather, is asking the whole purpose of the mitzvahs of Pesach is as zikoron of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So what are we got to do all this avoid this whole tircha that we do, this entire enterprise of Pesach, which is such a complicated procedure, who needs it all? After all, if we want to recall the Exodus, let's write it down on a piece of paper and read it. That should be sufficient. What do you got to do so much? Why so much? Why does Hashem place such a tircha on us and such a burden for this yontiv merely to remember this point? Of course, on this there's already a reply from the Sefer HaChinuch in Mitzvah Yudzayin, and I believe it was Etzim Loisishvaru, but he talks about the fact that Odom Nifol Kifipu Loisav you could be the wisest, smartest person, but the fact remains that you're influenced by your actions. You do mitzvahs that will influence you for good, you do averes that will influence you for bad. The Torah therefore gives us a lot of mitzvahs in order to influence us and make us good. Hashem wants to refine us. The way to refine us is by giving us a multitude of mitzvahs that each little mitzvah refines us. As we said earlier, the purpose of a mitzvah is to effect a change. It's to effect a change in us. Therefore, more mitzvahs, more changes occur. And that's really the answer to the Rosha. We need a lot of avoida in order to effect the changes that are required. Especially when we know what human nature is all about. You need a lot of mitzvahs. You need a lot of mitzvahs to effect. Each one affects a little bit of a change. But it's to make us into an Ois Rosha. It's to make us into a Chacham Tag. Then the Rosha is asking something else which is not dissimilar to from what the Beis HaLevi says, and the Malbim is saying this is another thing that the Reformers are asking, you've already tasted from the fruit of the tree of Haskola. How can you now go and follow ancient traditions? Why don't you follow more contemporary approaches? Aren't you following, haven't you learned and breathed from the, from the fruits of modern society and culture, the the Enlightenment? Aren't you embarrassed to hang on to these old, ancient, decrepit traditions? And here the Malbim says a very interesting shot in terms of the tshuva that we give to the Russian. It says, That's what the Pesach says. Earlier we said that this is not really a response to the Russian himself. But the... The Malbim sees in this somewhat of, an, of a response to the Russia, and it fits in to the Hakei Hashenov. He says the response is as follows. Klal Yisrael, when they were in Mitzrayim, 
there was a Midas Hadin that was stretched over them. And there were already Risha Yisrael like the reformers in those days. And they died during the three days of darkness. Which is why we tell them, leave loy 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 sham loy nigo like the Rishon that died. In Kol Zois, it says that Zerach Pesach Lashem Asher Posach Al Bote Bnei Yisrael, namely, Benokvayis Mitzrayim, the Egyptians were plagued because Botenu Hitzil and we were saved. So we tell the Russia very simply. He says, Adarabim, the fact that we have Rishon like you and Klal Yisrael that are Kaifer and Tyran and Mitzvahs, we've had them before people that want to do to nullify the mitzvahs. Precisely because of people like you, we had to be redeemed from Mitzrayim much sooner. Because if Hashem were to let us stay in Mitzrayim, we would have fallen under these influences of assimilation and we would have been lost. As it says, We couldn't stay there longer. Why? Because in Mitzrayim there was also Rishoyim, such as these reformers that wanted to be mevatel the mitzvah of Mila. The reformers in those days were also mevatel mitzvahs. They were mevatel the only mitzvah that they really had, which was mitzvahs mila. They weren't ready to accept upon themselves the oil hatayra. As a result, they came huchrach legal Hashem therefore had to redeem us much quicker. In order that we shouldn't be lost totally in the memtes sharetum of Mitzrayim. Therefore, that's what we're telling the Russia. Isn't it because of people like you that bavur zeh? In other words, because of people like you, because of this problem, we had to be redeemed before the time. So we got out earlier precisely because of people like you. Because of Rishoyim like you, we left Mitzrayim even earlier. Could still save us and redeem us from people like you by bringing Mashiach much sooner because to avoid problems of people like you. But don't think that you go out with us. People like you, it's leave loy loy. Hashem has to take me out precisely to avoid the influences of people like the Russia. But the Rishonim don't leave. He would have died in the Shlach That's what we tell the Russia. That's a very, very tough answer that you really knock him in the teeth with that. He says, what do you got to do all these mitzvahs? <laughs> because of people like you, Hashem redeemed us even faster. Hashem had to pass over the houses of the Eden because it was already hard. The Eden and the Goyim were almost alike. The Malach couldn't do it, as we once pointed out. Why does it have to be that Hashem redeemed us? Teretz is because the Malach was saying already, the Jews and the Goyim looked alike. They were almost assimilated. As the Nitziv points out, what does it mean that Hashem had to pass over the houses of the Eden? Weren't the Eden living in their own ghetto in Goyim? Teretz is that was only in the beginning. But by the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, they were already assimilated in other areas of Egypt. Mitzrayim were living amongst Yidin. Yidin were living amongst Mitzrayim to the point of where the houses were all intermingled and the Jews were so assimilated that you couldn't really tell the difference from one to the other. Hashem says, do the mitzvah of Korban Pesach and Brismila and put the dam on your door. I'll pass over your house and save you and I'll kill the Egyptians. That's why we have the whole need of Bukhar. The whole union of Bukhar is because Hashem did us this Gewalti Getoiv, that although we were on Memtesh Shari Tuman, we were almost indistinguishable from the Egyptians, He did us a favor of nevertheless saving the Yid. It had to be Anivloi Malach, Anivloi Sarf, because only Hashem 
can make this distinction. We were almost like the guy. Hashem saw the difference. He saved us. It was a gewaltig hatova and a gewaltig ness, and that's why the name of Pesach is named after this hatova, after this great time, after this great favor that Hashem granted us, this salvation, because although we were almost like Goyim and assimilated, Hashem was still willing to save us, and we called the Yontif Pesach to represent the great miracle of Hashem taking a Yid and, and taking him out from the clutches of the Goy and clutches of assimilation when we were almost alike. It was a tremendous miracle that He saved us even under those kind of conditions. So we were in such great danger, and we had these Rishoyim in those days. So we're telling the Rosh he saved us when we were so close to extinction, to assimilation. On account of this, Hashem had to take us out earlier. We had to come out of Mitzrayim earlier because of the dangers of assimilation with Rishoyim like you. And that's why we were saved, but the Russia wouldn't be saved. That's a tremendous answer that we're giving to the Russia. Based on this, says the Malbim, we can now understand also why the tshuva of the Rosha is written in the same tshuva as the Sheini Yodei Elisho. Because who do we say the Sheini Yodei Elisho is? These are the guys that follow the Rosha. The tshuva of Babuza Hashem Li is the tshuva also to the Ben that's the Sheini Yodei Elisho. And therefore, says the Malbim, the answer of Avmartem Zevach Pesachul Hashem is the exact same answer as the Babuza Hashem Li It's a Chibish in Malbim. But that's what he's saying. He's saying that we that the Pasik of Martim Zavach Pesach is part of the answer of Bavur Zeh. The Bavur Zeh refers to the Vamartim Zavach Pesach. So you answer both of them together. It's one and the same as the Tshuva of the Shainer de Elishol and the Russia. Vamartim Zavach Pesach, who echod in Mashikosov, Bavur Zashamli. So we now have an, an understanding as to why we give the same Tshuva to the Ben Russia as to the Shainer de Elishol. Why the response is Merumah's for both in one response, but he also ties in the Vamartim Zevach to the Bavur Zeh, because the Bavur Zeh is referring to the Vamartim Zevach Pesach, and we're answering both of them the exact same way. Half of the answer is stated by the Russia, the other half is stated by the Shein and Yodel Dishon, but it's really one response that we give to both, because the Russia is the Moscow that that the reformer that asks the questions that the Shein and Yodel Dishon blindly follows like sheep, and therefore we give one answer to the two of them, namely. That because of Rishoyim like you, Hashem had to take us out of Mitzrayim earlier, and that's why He saved our houses, but you wouldn't be saved. And this is a, an adequate response to the Shein the Elishol to tell him, don't follow the Russia. The Tam Mahuaymer says Mazois, because the Tam refers to the Ish Hamoini, to the, to the one who is just a poshit, simple person. He's a simple Tam. He's a God fearing person, and he follows the path of Hashem, and he's a Yorishmaim. But he doesn't have the intellectual capacity to ask all of the differences and to inquire between the distinctions between Eidus, Chukim, Mishpatim, like the Ben Chochem. He asks a very simple, plain statement of a question. He asks a general question. He asks a general question. Mazais, what's this all about? He wants to know the simple answer in a nutshell, a general answer he wants it. And therefore the truth for him, likewise, is one that's a simple general answer that explains the entire Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim in a nutshell. That's how you respond to it. The Shainer de Elisha, we already pointed out, is the ignorant person that follows the Ben Rosha. He doesn't know how to make all of those those uh, Haskolish questions. He does not ask these these uh, kind of queries that the Rosha does, but he does follow him. However, 
there is a little bit of a difference between the Shein and the Elisha and the Rosha. The difference is the At Psachloi. That's why the Haggadah says At Psachloi. you got to open up to him. Why? Because he's not really a Rosha. He's just an ignorant follower of the Rosha. Ki Acha Sheinoi Toyeb Ipnei Sichloi Rak Michisan His problem is not one of, uh, of a mistaken intellect. His problem is ignorance. And therefore, you have to involve yourself with him. You have to be makar of him. You have to try drawing him near. These are the ignorant masses that follow the reformers. Then you got to be makar. This, of course, really follows what the Rambam tells us in Hilchus Mamrim, in the third parak, Aloch Gimel. We talks over there about the Apikaris and the Kaifu Betayr, that Aloch of a Kaifu Betayr is that an Apikaris you're supposed to put him to death, my reading Venomalin, he's an Apikaris, and all those that say ain't Hermina Shemaim. Shekol Eilu Eilu Bechla, Yisrael, not part of the Jewish people, and Yalakol Ahoyre Gechomin, Osem Mitzvah Gedoyla, you want to kill them. My reading Venomalin. Says the Rambam, Bamet, Bamamurim, Ishakofa Betarish, Bamach Shaftoi, Ubedvarm Shinirulai. The one that intellectually on his own, denies and based on his own false conceptions denies the Torah such as the first generations but the followers of these the next generations that they were brought up amongst the Karoim amongst the Tzedukim and they were brought up and they were inculcated with their philosophies so they have the din of Shenishba and it's not their fault. They're considered an onus. Even though he knows that he's a Jew and he's seen other Jews, and he knows maybe what the right thing is, but because he had a bad upbringing, he's considered like an onus because he was brought up with all of these mistaken beliefs. Says the Rambam that these kind of people, we are obligated to them we speak with peace we're not argumentative we don't debate with them we try to be makar of them we approach them with love with brotherhood with kindness with chesed with words of peace and tranquility and shalom without machlekes that's what the Haggadah tells us over here the Rosha Hakeyashinov in other words according to the Malam it's a very interesting chat. the Rosha and the Sheinu are almost identical they're the same kind of person. They're both reformers. The Russia is the reformed rabbi, and the Shainer the Elisho is the reformed congregant. And there's a different approach. Yes, the tshuva of both is in the same Pasik. It's a beautiful thing that the, that the Malam teaches us. Although the tshuva of both is the same because they're both reformers. And the Vamatim Zevach Pesach and the Babur Zevach Russia, it's all one and the same. It's one tshuva that goes that applies to the Russia and applies to the Shein there the Elisho. The difference is one of approach. The approach to the Ben Russia is Hakeyashinov. The approach to the Shein there the Elisho is At Pesachloi. The tshuva, the response is really the same. It's the same response, but you're saying the same emes, the same truth. It applies to the Russia and to the Shein there the Elisho that follows him. It's the same tshuva. But there's a different approach. Because we recognize one to be a Russia, and we recognize one to only be a Shein and the Elisha. The Russia, we say he's the Kaifer, the Apikairis. It's Hake Ashinov. Knock him in the teeth. Tell him the answer real tough and harsh, but knock him in the teeth with it.
On the other hand, the Lishol, we still have to say the same truth. It's still the same response we have to give. We don't water things down. We don't try to mislead him and misrepresent and misinterpret the Torah to be Mekarvim. We're Mekarvim with a true answer. But we come to him with Divrei Sholem, as the Rambam says. We come to him with Divrei Sholem. At Pesach We talk nicely to him. Because it's not his fault. He's a follower, not a leader. To the reformed leaders, Haka Yashinov. To the reformed followers, At Pesach So the Malvim by placing this in the Chumash, this is part of his parish of Chumash, it's not Stama Jerusha, tells us a different approach to the Arba Bonin. He tells us now what the truth of the Ben Chacham is. The truth of the Ben Chacham is basically, is Eim Aftir Yachar Pesach to tell us the fact that all the laws of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Derises and the Derabonans, yes, you're supposed to inquire, yes, you're supposed to know the difference between a chorus and a lav and an essay and a Derabonan and a Nidhi because there's big differences. And it's a big enough community. you got to know the differences. you got to know all the differences. And you got to explain to him all the differences. But you teach it all to him. That Hashem Elkeinu commanded us we should keep it all of it. Even to the point of we keep all Hashem. That's the Ben that's how we respond to the Ben Chochem, and that's how he explains the Eim Aftir Nachar Pesach Afikoyimim. The Tom, he, he asks a simple question, you address him with a simple answer. The Rosha and the Shein, the Elishol, represent the opposition. They represent the reform movement. The Tshuva to both is the same. And he puts it together, and, and therefore he explains to us what it means that Vamatim Zavach Pesach, and that the chuv of the Ben Rushes with the Sheinir, the Elishal, because they really are part of the same movement. The only difference is one of approach. One is the approach of Hakei Ashinov, the other is the pr- approach as an approach of Ad Pesachloi. But the chuv is the same for both.